0: Combine your landlines, mobiles and collaboration tools into one unified solution with Vodafone OneNet Business. Hello, I'm Brian Purcell and this is the Ready Business Podcast, the show for startups and SMEs looking for some inspiration, insights and some great advice. On this week's show, I meet the 17-year-old programming prodigy whose role models are Google's co-founders, Sergey Brin and Larry Page. And his company, QCrypt, looks like it could be a game-changer for data encryption. And all of this while he's studying for the Leaving Cert. Shane Kern is certainly one to watch, and this is his future maker story. I've a lot ahead of me, so I mean, I'm
1: not too sure where I'll, where I'll end up yet in terms of college or anything. You know, that's that's all ahead of me with the Leaving Cert and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I think as the plans progressing now at the moment. I'm sort of leaning towards running uh running the company I've been working on at the moment. So um if I can keep that up and sort of balance everything else, that'd be uh, a nice way to to live. But um, you know, there's definitely a lot of opportunities unfolding
0: day by day. So you know, I'm just trying to make sure that I, I pick the right ones and don't do anything too stupid. Yeah. And would you hope then if you, if you do land a course, would you think you'll take a course and then run the company parallel to that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think college is very important uh, or just, you know, third level education in general, particularly in the field I'm in, you know. It um, you know, it's all right to take some sort of simple concept and implement that. But, you know, if you really want to innovate, you have to sort of pick up the, the technical know how from somewhere. So for me, that will be sort of, you know, somewhere between physics and computer science, I'm guessing. And of course, there's probably other things you can find out in college. that will probably spark new ideas or maybe new little pivots within your business. Exactly. I mean, every six months, I kind of change my mind entirely on some particular topic because I learned something new. So, you know, in a year's time, who knows, I could be doing something entirely different anyway. So how so was winning a good the
0: Young Scientist Competition helped you?
1: Um, yeah it's been incredible I mean it was my fourth time entering so I was sort of well drilled in the competition at that stage yeah. um but you know to kind of finally get there in the end and win the overall prize it really does sort of um unleash a whole new avenue or a whole new group of avenues for um for you know for your future basically you know it's it's well recognized not only in Ireland but internationally as well so um you know people have been in contact from all over the world interested in you know not only the technology but how they can um you know, either what it was to do with the young scientists in particular and sort of how they can take that or, you know, my particular research as well, how they can
0: they can um, bring that to their own company or their own lives. So tell us about this business that you've set up off the back of the young scientists. Tell us all about that and what is it?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, just to give it a bit of context, my young scientist project was basically building uh, new ways of encrypting data for a very long period of time and making sure that it's independent from any adverse judicial input or um you know similarly sort of human involvement and you know malicious actors so um basically i took that research project and the company is now sort of evolving into a way of granting data owners access to their data and making sure that they own it in the long run so if you look at the internet these days it's sort of almost a feudalistic model you have companies like google facebook um twitter That basically own your data and you know you're willing to give that to them for free so we're basically trying to restructure how that data ownership works and grant the the full control back to the user themselves so they can you know sure they can sort of license or or lease the data to the company that wants to use it but we're building technologies that allow um
0: you know allow that to be processed securely and ensure that that sort of transaction takes place seamlessly i'm really interested in the fact that This is going back in history now and it came up really strongly last year. The idea came about from the Boston College Police Tapes. Uh, Tell us the background to the Boston College story first and how it piqued your interest.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, basically the Boston College Tapes were an oral history project conducted by Boston College with um, sort of both sides of the yeah, the the nationalist dispute in in the north. So yeah. they interviewed members from both sides, and the agreement was that none of these testimonies would be released until after so the death of the people. These were giving... from uh, basically IRA members and loyalist members, loyalist exactly. military yeah. members. Yeah, yeah. So okay. so both sides of the dispute. Um, you know, I, I thought how in, instead of sort of using the judicial system to protect these secrets, like they had been, yeah. uh, like they had been protected previously. Um, you know, there was a number of sort of problems with that. Um. There was an agreement between the UK and the US called MLAT, the Mutual Le- Legal Assistance Treaty, which basically allowed both countries to cooperate on legal cases, um, which meant that because these had been, um, you know, carried out by US College, Boston College, that, you know, the you know, the UK, so the, the you know, the, um you know, that sort of the dispute had the control to basically force the US to release that information. Yes. So I thought, you know, how could... I use technology to solve that problem to ensure that, you know, we're not relying on
0: legal or judicial laws. We're relying on the laws of maths to to solve that problem. So just say I, I gave a story to the Boston College about my involvement in, would we'll say, way back in the Troubles in the 70s. This could be completely encrypted and I would have control of it. Is exactly.
1: It? Yeah. So, um, you know, you could even publish the encrypted information wherever you want in a public place. And the way uh, the way I like to explain it is that you send a heartbeat. I, I call it a cryptographic heartbeat where, you know, maybe once a day, once a week, once a month, you send this heartbeat. That's essentially a signature verifying that, you know, you're still alive and you are still you. Yeah. Um, so you verify that you are who you say you are. And, you know, as long as the heartbeats keep coming in, then the information stays secret. But once that time period passes, that information can then be um,
0: just released to the public. Okay. And, you know, it can be can be made public after the death of the person involved. Yeah, because we know that a lot of these stories, uh, they were, I suppose, released while the people who gave the stories were still alive.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think even in, in more low-level implementations, yeah. it can be much more useful uh, even for just personal information. So if okay. you have a, a will or um, you know, even a personal journal or something, you can use the exact same technology to protect your secrets in the same way. Okay. So it's a really broad-ranging um, really broad ranging technology in the sense that it can be applied to individuals as well as sort of state level actors
0: as well, so Shane, when did all this start? What age were you when you decided to have a go at this encryption lark?
1: Yeah, so I mean, encryption was kind of more yeah. of a recent recent development for me. I'd always been interested in technology. Um, you know, I started when I was very young, probably six or seven making uh, making simple websites for for things I was interested in From then on at though, age six. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so they, they right. weren't very good, mind you. but I suppose it's uh, it's <laughs> it standard anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, and and were mom
0: and dad behind this? Or was it all you?
1: Uh, no, it was all me. So neither of my parents are you know are in computing. They're they're in science. Or you know, well, my dad's an engineer. My mom's a chemist. So it's uh, you know the apple hasn't fallen too far from the tree. You well, we can see your
0: word anyway that the right way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I mean the the brain kind of works roughly like that anyway. But um, you know, it was pretty much self driven. So you know, I got access to the internet pretty young. I mean, most people my age were sort of. Yeah, they were on the internet a little bit playing Club Penguin and stuff, um, yeah. which I which I played a little bit as well. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I use the information as or the, the internet as well to basically just access information because, you know, I think when you're exposed to it at such a young age, instead of, um, you know, your sort of approach to obtaining information changes very much because, you know, you're not relying on just asking other people information or just sort of, um, you know, learning stuff initially. You can yeah. kind of just ask Google or, or whatever the search engine is that you use. A particular question and you have the information there right away so um you know i use that that tool i probably exploited it quite a lot um and sort of learned how to build simple websites over time i think i just got a little bit more ambitious with what these websites needed to do so initially they were just you know pretty pointless websites with my broken english at the time and um you know how i could just share this information with my friends but over time i kind of wanted to add functionality to it and, yeah. and you know make it solve a real problem um, so a few years later, I suppose my first proper company was um, called Libramatic. I basically built uh, an online system for managing libraries, where instead of typing in all the books' information manually, you simply scan the ISBN barcode using the camera on a smartphone. It then searched the internet for all that book's information, and it was stored in the database. So um, you know a librarian can just loan it out to an individual by scanning the barcode. So I spent a couple of months kind of building it when I was in sixth class. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, I had it done and it was, you know, impeccable, you know, at least in those days, it was sort of impeccable by my standards. I brought it to them and they just said, oh, that's kind of cool, but we're just going to stick with our existing system. So I thought, you know, if my own skill aren't interested in using it, surely there's some other places that would use it. Um, so I basically uh, built a website, I launched it at an event called Dublin Beta, yeah, which um, is basically a startup meetup event. Um, so I won that competition when I was 12. It was, it was kind of funny because I was in uh, in a nightclub on um, South William Street. So I was, whatever, 12, going in with my dad, chaperoned by my dad, to a nightclub. You know, the bouncers at the door were looking at me a bit suspiciously. Uh, you know, should we let this guy in? But eventually I got in anyway. Yeah, you won six um, foot four back then. No, no, not, not at all. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got in in the end, presented my project or my, my company and managed to win the competition. So that got me a little bit of media attention and that sort of... Spark the entrepreneurial side of me, anyway. Like,
0: do you think our uh, schools missing out the trick, or are, are they up to speed on this? That you know, uh, they're trying out. Are they trying to force coding down on kids? Are they trying to force anything online on them? say like, this is the way to go? You know, that forget all the other stuff. This is where you need to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say they're they're forcing it, but there's a lot happening now in terms of the Leaving Cert curriculum and the Junior Cert curriculum as well that's shifting the focus more towards computers so um, there's a Leaving Cert computer science course that's um, being piloted in 40 schools from September onwards so you know they are definitely taking steps to to promote its um its growth and to promote sort of technology or STEM skills as they call them um, you know in, in people from a young age but I think it's you know Leaving Cert is nearly too late to get that sort of interest and, and spark that interest I think a lot of it has to happen in national schools and even younger yeah um, and you know a, a lot of it's also down to the parents themselves uh, you know I, I don't believe that um you know that everybody needs to learn how to code i think that's right. that's pretty much nonsense i think if anything over time software is just going to become easier and easier to build um and you know with ai and things like that a lot of the problems will will almost solve themselves so i think there's you know there's still going to be a demand for people in technology but i think the actual raw numbers of people that are needed and, you know, the, the number of people that are actually going into it as well is going to decrease in the coming years. Yeah. Um, you know, it mightn't be in the next five or 10 years, but I think in the long run, there's definitely going to be sort of a sudden realization that it's, you know, not necessarily the path for everyone. And, you know, that's sort of um, been represented as well in, you know, for example, the the CAO points for computer science courses, they're, they sort of peaked, um, you know, about five, six years ago and, you know, they're sort of on a slow, gradual decline at the yeah. moment. Uh, As people are sort of realizing that it's not all just making games or or whatever, you know, there's there's sort of maths pretty much, Um, you know, it's it's not all it's made out to be, but it's, um, you know, they're definitely very important skills and very useful
0: skills as well, just to have um, as an ability to sort of solve problems. So QCrypt, is, is it ready to go? Is, is it ready to sell? Or what's, what's the plans to commercialize it?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, the sort of minimum viable product that we've got at yeah. the moment is being used by a few people. Um, I think over the coming six months or so, there's going to be a lot more uh, action happening. I think we're, we're going to be raising a seed round over the next uh, the next couple of months. So there's a lot happening in, in that regard as well. Um, you know, similarly, the, the product itself will begin to grow.
0: Are the Collison brothers of, of uh, Stripe fame, are they role models you want to aspire to?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're um, they're doing great things. I'm actually I'm meeting them next week, so it sounds like they could do um, with your stuff, would they? Maybe, yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, we have a few bits in common in the sense that you know Patrick, one of the young scientists as well, and yeah. being Irish over in over in California too. It's sort of um, you know it's not a particularly big community, so I think it's um, it's a nice little niche to be to be in because everyone's so, so helpful there. So you're meeting up with them? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've um, you know it's my Easter holidays at the moment, so I have a little bit more free time, so I'm. Um, heading over to California next week to sort of um, line up a few meetings and everything. So it's, it's sort of important that you cluster them all together because I don't have the, the freedom to just fly over whenever I want these days. But, you know, from the summer onwards, I'll have a little bit more leniency. Fabulous to go there though and meet them, isn't it? And and uh, they're open to seeing you. Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't easy to get in touch with them. But, um, yeah, no, this, you know, it's definitely a very helpful community. And I think anybody that's, um, you know, any Irish person that wants to get involved in technology and uh, Silicon Valley or, or elsewhere there's you know very strong connections yeah. there and people are more than willing to help out okay would you like to end up over there and have a building next door to them uh maybe yeah no it's it's San Francisco is definitely a lovely city um you know Dublin's also very good as well I think there's a lot happening here too over uh or in terms of sort of the technical skills yeah. um you know we're a great company for for sales I think Irish people are well able to talk on, on average anyway so I think it's um you know it, it's a very good place to set up if you're looking to build a european base like many of these these other large companies have yeah. um but you know i think in terms of the early stage venture capital and, and that sort of side of things it's very much still sort of deeply rooted in the valley and um you know the us in general sure
0: who are your role models in business oh that's a good question
1: um who do you look to i admire a lot of the kind of early innovators in technology so yeah. um you know the the sort of Fairchild semiconductor company. So like Robert Shockley and all those kind of guys are, are very cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a more sort of contemporary group of people, I, yeah. I admire Microsoft as well. Um, you know, I think they've built a really, really, really solid business. Um, you know, it took them a long time, but I think they're they're doing very well now. And under new leadership, they're they're also sort of progressing quite well. How about the Google ads? Bryn and Page. Um yeah, no, that's that's another great company. I suppose they're they're a little bit newer, founded in the late nineties. Um Sergey Brin and Larry Page are also, you know, very very good role models to look up to, I suppose, kind of moving from an academic uh, an academic background and then pushing that into business as well. They're yeah, sort sure. of good people to look up to as well.
0: Yeah. Would you see yourself like kicking on with, with QCrypt and everything you're doing? Or would you see yourself maybe the, the chief executive of one of these Huge multinationals eventually.
1: Maybe QCrip can be a huge multinational. So I suppose it's that'll be the best of both worlds. But um, yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm going to kick on with this as yeah. it stands. Um, who knows what it, what'll happen in the next
0: year or two. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and it's um, it's an exciting prospect. Shane, uh, I, I just you know, fair play to you. you. You've done an amazing amount with with your short life so far, and you're playing rugby, and you're doing ten subjects for the Leaving Cert. Uh, but there must be something our listeners can learn off you. Of. I think there is. Uh you've such a refreshing mindset and you, you just get on with things and you just, this can-do attitude you have is fantastic. Top 3 tips for people to make it in your opinion.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean I could give all the cliché advice, but I think no, I'll give me yours
0: your personal stuff. Yeah.
1: Um I think one thing as Irish people in particular, we do tend to kind of um you know restrict our goals and visions. We kind of think, you know, being yeah. a small country, I think we have the capability to actually develop anything we want to. But I think on average, people tend to kind of uh, under underestimate their own abilities. So, you know, if you come up with a new concept, I would, you know, just go for it and bring it up to the next level. So if you're looking to, you know, to build some market or, or target some market in, in Europe, you should grow that to yeah. the world. Because there's or- always
0: a the next level, isn't there?
1: exactly yeah yeah no, no there's always somebody is, bigger no than you yeah.
0: there's always a the next level
1: yeah i mean even yeah. even in the sports aspect as well you know if you're playing rugby or something there's always some guy that's bigger than you as well no matter what size you are so it's um you know it sort of applies in business as well yeah. and um you know just in innovation too um so yes that's my first tip my second tip would probably be to yeah just just do it i think again people are a little bit more conservative in ireland and kind of want to you know they, they might want to play their cards smartly which is a good thing as well but you know if you have a an idea and a passion that you really want to go for you should
0: um you know put whatever you don't like doing on hold and just go for it sure do you see any particular country that actually does do it faster or maybe quicker than we do or maybe more open i think the the innovation culture in the u.s and particularly the west coast
1: in the u.s is something to look up to um you know it is with the sort of influence that the sort of um, West Coast companies in the US are having on Ireland as well that is creeping into Ireland as well which is yeah, great to see yeah. and you know people are a little bit more travelled now and everything so it's you know it's it's good to see that the cultures are kind of meshing together but um, you know I think you know it, there's there's a lot happening in, in how people are learning from other cultures as well and it's, it's great to see
0: Okay Have you one more tip for us?
1: Being able to balance your sort of your life particularly for a young person that's very important to do so if someone that's my age and is um, is in secondary school and is sort of trying to balance you know their social life and sports and everything it's important that you do that i think a lot of people tend to fall into the trap of just focusing on one thing you know a lot of people in in fifth and sixth year as well just sort of focus on the leaving cert i think you know it also applies to you know when we're a little bit older and in the working world as well that you know people tend to focus on one thing and and specialize in one thing as well i think it's important to keep your options open and you know do your best to kind of become a polymath or renaissance man because there's um, you know, there's no point in specialising in one thing if you know that one thing might not even be around in, in a few years time
0: You can see me making notes on that one now for the older people Thanks very <laughs> much Shane Shane Curran look it's, it's been really enlightening I, I really love speaking to you you've a uh, fascinating mindset and all I can say is look, best of luck in the future and to your company QCrypt Thanks very much That's it for this week's episode of the Ready Business Podcast and my thanks to Shane Curran of QCrypt for joining me on the show Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud and join me next time as we discover more inspiring future maker stories. Simplify how you work with cloud based unified communications. Vodafone OneNet Business.